Isaiah 55 this morning, 55th chapter of this amazing book. And we'll begin this morning by just reading together these first five verses, Isaiah 55, 1 through 5. Hear now the word of the Lord. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not food, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. You know, they say that a person can go without food for a few weeks in the extreme. A person can go without water for a few days. Without food and without water, our bodies begin to have incredible problems. We get dizzy. Maybe you've ever gone without food for some time. You've felt kind of faint. If that goes on, a person can experience weakness in their body and pain. And of course, if it continues, if somebody went without food or water for an extended period of time, it could have the result of um, cognitive impairment and even uh, the shutting down of vital organs in in the body. Well, thankfully, God made us to crave food and water, which is why we don't go for days on end forgetting to eat. Some of us wish we could kind of forget to eat for maybe a day or two, but we all have this thing called hunger, and we just were driven to get food. Hunger and thirst are some of the most basic and powerful compulsions that human beings experience. And the delight that comes from good food and good drink is some of the most powerful delights that human beings know. It's a reason why our town is filled with restaurants of every kind, flavors from all over the world. Because God made us to eat and to enjoy. But there is a, a corresponding craving deep within the human soul that is a spiritual thirst, a hunger of the heart. And this is the hunger and thirst that's being spoken about in this text. People, human beings, were made to be filled with God. This is why without him, there is, as it's been said, a God-shaped void in the human soul. This is why human beings are incurably religious. There is within humans a deep longing for meaning and purpose 
and cleansing and restoration and spiritual satisfaction, a connection with the divine. There is within human beings a longing, a hunger, and a thirst for spiritual life, for hope after death. And we try to fill that desire. We try to fill those longings with all sorts of things, pseudo-gods and God replacements. But if God is gracious, then we begin at some point to feel our need a hunger and a thirst. If God is gracious, we are left dissatisfied with the things that people fill their life with from the world. We're left dissatisfied with anything but God and with the salvation that comes through Christ Jesus. In fact, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger. Blessed are those who thirst. Blessed are those who feel their need for something outside of themselves, something that only God can give. They are blessed for they shall be filled. What a blessing it is to feel hunger and thirst after God. I may be speaking here to somebody who feels a kind of spiritual hunger and a thirst a dissatisfaction in your spirit and in your soul, and maybe you don't even know what it is exactly that you are hankering for, but you just know that that there's no rest in your soul. There's a restlessness. There's a longing inside of you. And I hope and pray that this text will open your eyes to what it is that you are longing for and maybe by the mercies of God that you may find your soul satisfied in the salvation that is in Christ. And I know for sure that I'm speaking to many who who are Christians, who are God's people. You've already tasted and seen that the Lord is good and what you want is more of that. You've gotten such a taste that you say, oh Lord, feed me. Give me yourself. Oh, Lord, I need you. I crave you. Many of you remember the sweetness of feasting upon Christ. And maybe today your soul is in a place where you're just longing for more of that. Maybe, perhaps, you're like the psalmist who says, as the deer pants after the water brook, So pants my soul after you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Or maybe there's even somebody here who's tasted of the word of God and of the powers of the age to come, but your soul is is just dry and empty right now. Is that you, friend? Your soul is just dry and empty and you have unwittingly been starving yourself, perhaps for some time. And with that kind of lack of spiritual water and food comes all of the things that have corresponding effects in our bodies. We we begin to become spiritually weak. 
to faint. Spiritually, our cognition fails. We find ourselves unable to really think God's thoughts. And if it goes on long enough, friend, if you go on long enough, dry and hungry and thirsty spiritually without satisfying your soul in God, it leads to spiritual organ failure. And the heart becomes so hard that it can, it, 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 it's unmoved at all by the word of God. Oh, God, be merciful to us that we never get to that point to all of us. This word of invitation comes. Come. Everyone who is thirsty, come to the waters. This is one of the freest and most beautiful invitations that God puts forth in all of the pages of Scripture, I think. This is the invitation to come. Everyone who thirsts, Come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. And I want you to notice, first of all, this morning, that this invitation is to everyone, isn't it? Right? Isn't it? Come. Who? Everyone. Everyone who thirsts. And that everyone is in the singular. Each and every one. Come. Hear and heed this call. And listen, you have to hear and heed this call individually. You cannot come into the new covenant on the coattails of someone else. You must hear and come. Every one. Every single one. But it's not just singular. The word come is actually in the plural. Come. Come ye, the old version said. Come, all of you. In other words, it's, it's, a, it's an invitation that encompasses all who are willing to hear. None is excluded. No matter what your state, you are not left out. This gospel call is a universal invitation. So much like that beloved verse in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life life. That's this invitation. Everyone, come. Everyone. Everyone. All of you, come to the water. My wife and I went to Galveston this week and spent a couple of days there together, and we took a little tour of the island, and one of the things that we did, the tour guide led us to a fountain in the middle of the island, there are 17 of these fountains. They're each crafted individually, constructed and beautiful in their different ways. I think, believe there are about nine of them still left standing. These fountains were the bequest of a man by the name of Henry Rosenberg, a famous uh, citizen of that city. And of course, the town of Rosenberg in Texas is named after him. And upon his death, he ordered that part of his money be given to create these fountains all across the city. Back in those days, the city of Galveston had uh, a hard time having fresh water. If you dug a well, it was oftentimes brackish, and so a lot of the water had to be uh, captured from rainfall or piped or, or, or brought into the island from the mainland. And, uh, but his legacy was to leave water 
water fountains across that city, open and free to any and all to come, man and beast, and drink of that water freely. Listen, the gospel call, the gospel fountain is a public fountain. It's free to all. It's open to everyone. All come, the gospel says. Not only is the gospel open to every Israelite, but to all of the nations of the world. Look in verse 3. He says, incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for who? David. You remember the Davidic covenant? David was God's anointed one, right? The, God's small m, Messiah, who was the type and the shadow of the great Messiah who was to come. And God promised to David that he, was, he would establish his throne forever, that his son would build a house for God, that his kingdom would be universal and eternal The promise that God made to David and to his sons was conditional upon the perfect obedience of the Davidic son. 1 Chronicles 28 verse 7, the Lord said, I will establish his kingdom forever if he is steadfast to observe my commandments and my judgments. But it was unconditional in the sense that God would himself fulfill that perfect obedience through that ultimate son of David, the Lord Jesus Christ, the greater son of David who would, in fact, fulfill God's law in every respect. And Isaiah now foresees that day, and we've been reading about this ever since chapter 42 and on and on as he unfolds this teaching, this foresight of the servant of the Lord who will come, who will come to do the Father's will perfectly establish the new covenant that he calls here an everlasting covenant. This is the fulfillment of all those kingdom promises, the promise that God would give to David a kingdom that is eternal and universal. And notice verse 4, the appeal now goes out far beyond the physical children of Abraham to the peoples of the world. Behold, he says, I have made him that is the son of David, a witness to the peoples, plural, a leader and commander for the peoples, plural. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you. This is an echo of Psalm 18. Because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Who is it that the Lord glorified? Not ultimately David, but the greater David, the son of David, the one who fulfilled God's purpose in every respect. And now he will establish a kingdom that is global. And anyone and all are invited to come into that kingdom. This is the outworking of the gospel around the world. Christ's kingdom is global. It is universal. Listen to me. The gospel doesn't belong to any one ethnicity. The gospel does not belong to any one family, to any one nation. It is for any and all. 
who will receive it. There are, however, three conditions that are implied in this invitation. There is, first of all, the sense of our need. Come, everyone who what? Come, everyone who thirsts. No one comes to the water until he's really thirsty. The the call really goes out to people who, by God's grace, have become thirsty. This is the soul who knows that he was made for something more. God has granted to that soul an awakening, a holy dissatisfaction with, with what he is apart from grace. This is the soul that feels a kind of deadness and longs to be truly alive. This is a heart that feels its sinfulness and the need for cleansing and for forgiveness, who says to itself, what can I do to be rid of my sin? This is the thirsty soul. This is the hungry heart who's awakened the church father, Augustine, felt this kind of thirst for God keenly. In many years, he sought to quench his longings with the world. He lived indulgently in the flesh for many years. And those who've read his confessions or his sort of biography, some autobiography, remember, lived for many years just seeking to quench the thirsty soul in the works of the flesh, never satisfied, never satisfied until he came to Christ. And in his confessions, he said, O God, you have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. That is true. The restless, hungry thirsty soul was made to be filled with God and it will not be filled unless it is filled with him who fills all in all. Come, everyone who thirsts. Jesus himself is that provision Your soul is needy for God. It's needy for Christ. You have to feel your need, but you must also see the provision that God's made for your thirst, right? He says, come, come to the waters. Just as water is the provision of God in this world that is perfectly suited for our thirst, so Jesus Christ is the provision of God that is perfectly suited for for a needy soul. What we need, what we long for, the water that we thirst for is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus stood up at the Feast of the Booths, the very last day, the great day of the feast. We read about it earlier. The day when the priest took the water, carried it from the spring through the water gate into the temple, poured it out in the temple to remind the people of how God brought water for them in the wilderness out of the rock. On that day, our Savior stood up in that temple and said, everyone who thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, 
As the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He's the fountain. And if you are... If you will be united to that fountain, the, the life that's in Jesus Christ will flow from him through you and well up within you a spring of living water. He is that fountain. Christ is that rock that was broken to bring the water of life. Christ and only Christ can give the Holy Spirit that you and I so desperately need to give us life. But there is one more condition, and that is that you must come. Right? Doesn't he say that? Are you with me? Come to the waters. Come, everyone who thirsts. And he says it again and again and again. Come to the waters. Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk. Incline your ear and come to me. Why does he have to say that? Well, the assumption is that we're far off. By nature, we are far off from God. We're separated. So there must be a kind of movement of our souls toward God, a coming of our hearts towards the Lord. Are you hungry? Are you spiritually hungry and thirsty? Perhaps it is by your own doing that you have distanced yourself from God. Perhaps you have ignored Him, walked away from Him, just kind of kept to yourself and lived apart from Him, taken His grace for granted. Maybe like the prodigal, you find yourself starving spiritually. Remember he looked around and Fain would fill his belly with the food that the pigs did eat. That's what happens when you're starving, isn't it? I know a lot of spiritually starving people that'll fill their food with, fill their belly with pig's food. But that man finally said to himself, I will arise and go to my father. I will go. I will come. That's where my need will be met. I, I know that's where needs are met. That's where I'm going to go. And sometimes you have to come to an end of yourself. You have to get so hungry that you say, Oh God, I come. I come. I hope that some of you can say that today. Some of you can really say with all your heart, I will arise and go to Jesus. He will embrace me in his arms. In the arms of my dear Savior, Oh, there are 10,000 charms. Listen, your thirst will never be satisfied if you don't move towards Him. He calls you to Himself again and again. Come, come to me. Leave whatever it is you're dabbling with and come to the fountain that'll give you life. Come and drink deeply of me. Come and live. Oh, friends, the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. The fountain is open, just come. Why do you tarry? How long will it be until you are hungry enough 
and thirsty enough. Come. And to this wonderful invitation, the Lord gives three encouragements to heed it. First, he invites us to consider the freeness of his offer. Look at verse 1. He who has, what? He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. He encourages us by the freeness of this offer. Do you see yourself not only as hungry and thirsty, but as spiritually bankrupt? I'm one who has no money. I have no spiritual currency with God. I have nothing to merit. You say, why, I can't imagine God seeing anything in me. Well, you're right, he doesn't. There is nothing good within you, within any of us. You cannot purchase God's favor with your own self-effort. Your effort falls far too short to earn forgiveness and eternal life. Listen, you and I have nothing with which to purchase God's favor. But the good news is that this wine and milk of the gospel must be purchased without money and without price. You cannot bring anything to the table to receive this. You cannot buy your way into God's favor. You cannot give to God in order to get spiritual life. You have to come with no life in yourself. You have to come with no money. You have to come with nothing but hunger and thirst. That's all I have, God. Please be merciful to somebody who's hungry. We come like beggars, don't we? That's the gospel way. Oh God, I come as a beggar. Be merciful to me. And yet, it must be bought. It must be bought. This food and this water must be paid for. And he emphasizes that, doesn't he? In this text again and again. He doesn't say come and get wine and milk given. He just says, he says, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. It's almost a contradiction, isn't it? Buy, but buy without money. Buy without any price. Your salvation must be bought. Mark it down, but you cannot pay for it. The price was paid by him who the, who, who, who the prophet foretold in, back in chapter 53 when he said that the chastisement of our peace was upon him and his wounds bought our healing. He paid the price and we get the benefit. That's the gospel way. The gospel way only magnifies one, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is free, yes. It's free. It's just as free that you may come with nothing to pay for it, but it is free only because it's already been paid for by the Son of God himself. 
His was the cost and ours is the gain. Come by wine and milk without money and without price. And that is good news to the person who says, listen, I have... I, I don't deserve God's favor in any way. No, listen, you and I do not, but it is offered freely. Listen to that from the mouth of God himself. Come without money, without righteousness, without holiness, without merit, without goodness, with all of your sin, with all of your ugliness, with all of your brokenness, with all of your sin, come to me because I, in my mercy, have paid to erect a public fountain free to all. That came at great price. But you can come. Consider, too, the richness of this offer It is not merely water that he offers, though that, of course, is part of the metaphor here because it's essential to life, right? But it's not just water that he has on offer, but he says, come by what? Come by wine and milk without money and without price. And it's not merely bread that he gives, but he says in verse 2, delight yourselves in rich food. Now, have you ever had a really rich meal? Not just basic bread that'll just sustain you for another day, but something that was, you said, boy, that was really rich. You could only eat so much of that, right? It was so good, so amazing on the palate. It just causes such a great delight. And people pay five times what you would normally pay to get five times less than you would normally eat because it's rich. That's what the Lord says he gives through the Lord Jesus Christ. Come by wine, milk, and rich food. The Lord, listen, not only frees you from death and destruction under his wrath, listen, he delights your soul with rich joys. And anybody who's ever been a real Christian for very long, can they not help but say that their heart has found delight in him? Remember that rich food? And for some of you, maybe it is kind of a a more distant memory. Maybe the richness of Christ and the sweetness of fellowship and communion with God has been something that you've forgotten something that's been a little bit lost to you, even perhaps as God's child. You haven't been drinking deeply from the well. You've found that you have a memory, but oh, you long for it again to taste the richness of your communion with God. This is an invitation to come, for there is riches abundant on that table. A wealth, a feast set in front of you. Not just a few crumbs falling from the table, but a banquet is set before you. If you would come, the Lord is good. You know, there are so many times when our hearts are satisfied with just 
not satisfied, but we, we, we try to content ourselves with just uh, living from day to day when the Lord has set down for us the choicest of meats and the finest of wines. We could have so much more of fellowship and communion with Him in His Word because it is rich. He encourages us with the richness of it. And finally, He would have you to consider the futility of the alternatives. If you would reject the table of the Lord, you would walk away from the banquet that is Christ. Then where would you go? Verse 2, he says it this way. Why would you spend your money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which does not satisfy? Why? What a fool you to spend your labor for that which does not satisfy. Haven't you found that? That the temporary pleasures of this world, the things that people so often chase after to try to give some kind of fullness to their life is just so quickly gone and then they're on to the next thing. And people just flip from one thing to the next thing. The next new thing. What's the next new thing? Because nothing really satisfies for very long. Because human beings were made for so much more than that. We were made to be filled with God. There are plenty of things that people fill their bellies with that leaves them empty. The amusements of this world are just like so much cotton candy. And at first, it's wonderful, right? But then after a while, after so much of it and nothing else, it leaves us with nothing but a bellyache and a longing for real food. That's the way it is. Some people flit from one thing to another looking to fulfill their soul, their heart, what they were made for. All of the things that we spend our time on. And listen, he argues that way too. You're spending your money, your life, your labor for that which does not satisfy Don't waste your life, your one and only precious life, trying to be filled with what could never fill you. Come to God. Come to Christ. What fools we would be to waste our lives on the fleeting nothingness of the world. To each and to all the Lord bids us today, come, come and Feast, come and drink. And then in the end of the verse 2 and then to verse 3, he really lays aside all the metaphors and really speaks plainly. And he says it this way, verse 2, listen diligently to me and eat what is good. What is meant by all of this talk of eating and drinking? The Lord says, listen diligently to me. Verse 3, incline your ear to me. Hear that your soul may live. What is it to eat and to drink? What is it to come to the feast? He says, it is to listen, to hear God, to pay earnest attention to the means of grace the hearing of his word. This is what it is to feast. You feast with your ears. You feast with your heart and your mind, giving attention to God's 
word. And not just a hearing, but a listening. You know what that's like to listen to God, to listen for God like that? To say when you wake up and you open your word and when you come to the service and, and the sermon is about to start to say, oh Lord, speak for your servant hears. Feed me today. Sustain my soul. Open my heart. Give me strength. Oh Lord, fill me. I'm so empty. Help me. Come like that. That's what he says. That's what I mean by all of this. Not just listen, but listen diligently, he says. Listen diligently. I have no doubt if you attend these services, you, you've heard many sermons and, and you, you've, you've read your Bible, some of you, because it's, it's a habit and you've, you've said your prayers before your meals or whatever. But if you sought him diligently, I have found so many times when my heart seems to become dry or, or cold or, or hungry, it is always remedied by seeking the Lord diligently. And he says in another way, incline your ear and come to me. Right? You can see it even in the word, incline your ear, lean in. What is the Lord saying? Lean in to his word. Lean in to the sermon. Lean in to your Bible reading. Lean in to prayerful dependence on the Lord. Lean in to meditation and memorization of his holy words. Lean in to hymns and songs that bear his word to you. Lean in expectantly to hear the voice of God himself speaking to you through his word, the scriptures. Perhaps you're spiritually dry and hungry because you've stopped leaning in to hear him. And you have sat in the service or you have sat in front of a Bible at home, but you haven't really leaned in and listened diligently and sought the Lord earnestly. And now... Now, by God's grace, he's made you hungry and thirsty. And his answer is, come, I'm opening the fountains to you. Lean in. Listen, hear that your soul may live. Listen to my words. Take it in. Receive it. Expect it. Submit to it. Delight in it. And I will come to you. Perhaps you have been lax by the means of grace. You have been lax in taking hold of the means that God has provided to sustain your soul. You've taken God's word for granted. And now you're dry and thirsty. But ultimately, coming to the fountain means not just coming to the Bible, but coming to God's word and to God himself. And he says in verse 3, incline your ear and come to me. Because the fountain ultimately is God himself. Jesus said, I am the bread of life, right? I am the living water. You will never be satisfied until you come to me. God is our living water. God is our nourishing milk. God is our exhilarating wine. Whom have I in heaven but you, the psalmist says. And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you, 
My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength and, and my portion forever. God is the fountain. God is the bread. God is the milk. God is the wine. I speak perhaps to somebody this morning that is separated from God, still in your sins. And the gospel call goes out to you this morning. Listen, come to me, God says. Come. You have nothing but your sinfulness. Come with that. The price will be paid. Believe and eat and drink and live. And I just want to admonish us all not to take for granted our ability to hear the word of God. Hear what I say? Do not take for granted our ability to hear the word of God. That word may be closed to us if we persist in ignoring it. This is apparently the state of many in Israel to whom the prophet Amos prophesied. Amos 8.11 Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine on your land. But he says, not a famine of bread or a thirst of water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. And then he says, they will wander around from sea to sea and from north to east and run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. And in that day, the lovely virgins and the young men shall faint or thirst. If God's given you ears to hear today, then hear, hear, incline your ear, come to me, hear that your soul may live. And lean in to God. Lean in when He speaks. Seek Him wholeheartedly, earnestly. God be merciful that it ever comes to the place where He sends a famine on your soul and He withholds the bread and water of life from you. And then finally, for those of you who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, has your soul been dry and hungry? Then seek Him anew. Lean in to the means of grace that He's given. Feast on the Lord and delight yourselves in rich food. Hear the word of the Lord, friends. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and drink. Come by wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not food and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this gracious, most gracious invitation from your mouth today. And I speak on behalf of so many, Lord, today and say, we hear and we come. We will arise and go to Jesus, hear your word, lean into your means of grace. Lord, would you please send a sense of hunger and thirst to those who are in most danger, most danger of spiritual death 
and inability to hear any more the word that comes from your mouth. Would you grant to them, please, today, we pray a holy dissatisfaction with life. Let them not rest until they find their rest in you. And Lord, for all of us, we bless you for being patient with us. We seek your face anew and afresh today. And this week, Lord, strengthen those who seek after you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.